1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS
2: Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league.
0: Where fantasy becomes league.
2: Here's Frank Scott and Chris.
0: What's up and welcome into fantasy baseball today on Tuesday May 31st Frank sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Of course we want to thank those who served and continue to serve our country today on the show the most added and most dropped players on CBS leagues prospect promotions a lot of them some unexpected ones definitely we'll get to those and of course some stuff that happened over the weekend. But first, don't tell my Yankee fan friends that I said this. Fenway Park is pretty awesome, guys. I've got to say. It's it's really great. It's pretty awesome. It's it's like the anti-Yankee stadium. Oh.
1: I'm not like whatever, if you like Yankee Stadium, that's fine. You know, some people like, I feel like uh, gated I have... communities and Oh, come on. Guys. You know, and and super wealthy malls. Oh, but geez. Fenway Park has character. You know, like it's It's cramped. It's small. It's uncomfortable. It's wet all the time, (laughs) even if it hasn't rained in weeks, but it's just, it's a fun place to be. Isn't it?
0: It is. It is. It's very homey. And I wanted to say, and I mean this in like the most respectful way possible. It kind of feels like a minor league ballpark where it's just like everything's on top of each other. And it's just like kind of, it just feels like baseball. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had a lot of fun in Boston this weekend. Uh, Shout out to Boston. I, I, you know, didn't know what to expect, but it was cool. So, anyway, that was my weekend. Let's get into uh, Oh My Goodness Gracious before we get to those prospects.
1: Oh my goodness
0: gracious! All right, let's start with Scott White is here. Let's talk to him. Who you got, Scott? I want to talk about Nolan
2: Gorman, because Nolan Gorman, remember, last week was his first full week in the majors, and he had some pretty terrifying matchups for tick particularly for a hitter who was struggling to make contact at AAA and for five of the games he played last week it went kind of like we expected it to go he went a combined 0 for 14 with 9 Ks in those five games but then there was that other game which came again it was like the one, Weak link in the chain of pitchers he was facing, Adrian Hauser. And in that game, Nolan Gorman went four for four with his first home run. And then here on Monday, start of a new week, uh, going against Nick Martinez, not a very good pitcher. Once again, Gorman dominated, reached base four times, went three for three with his second home run. So overall numbers look pretty spectacular because of those two games against non-ace caliber pitchers. And uh, I think that means Gorman's here to stay.
0: And I think that makes perfect sense, right? A young prospect gets called up, struggles against great pitchers, and then feasts on the ones uh, that are not nearly as good. And looking at his batted ball profile, very small sample size early on here, 92.9 mile per hour average exit velocity for Nolan Gorman who also had a 50% line drive rate entering uh, Monday's action. So he's hitting the ball hard so far. You know, strikeouts, we want to see those come down a little bit. Ten strikeouts to five walks. But, yeah, so far it's uh, it's been quite encouraging. I don't know if he's going to play against every lefty so far, Scott. But, um, you know, when he's had the opportunities against these lower-level pitchers, he's, he's done well. So.
1: Yeah. And most pitchers aren't aces, it's worth saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's... I think, generally speaking, that's a good sign. It's it's kind of like the old adage, like you got to beat who you're supposed to beat. You know, for when sure. you're talking about like whether a team is good or not, and like that's I, th- I think all in all, it's a promising start for Nolan Gorman.
0: Yeah, and he's 81% rostered, so likely universally rostered at this point. But maybe some 10-team leagues where he could be available. You know, in a points oh. league, I'm not sure that he has to be rostered right now. But there's still oh, considerable upside. So.
2: By definition, he's not universally rostered because he's 81% rostered.
1: Well, he meant by the time you're listening, you know. (laughs) But no, uh, being second base eligible, like that automatically makes him, I I think, a viable head-to-head points league option even.
0: Oh, right. From one top prospect to, I would say, another prospect, Chris. Your oh-my-goodness-gracious player from Monday's Action. Yeah, Aaron
1: Ashby, who... I mean, the Brewers have received quite a bit of bad news about their relief or rotation in the last week or so. But Aaron Ashby stepped up in, you know, I guess his first real, not his first real start, but his first real chance to lock down a rotation spot. And he was exceptional on Monday against the Cubs. 12 strikeouts to two walks in six innings of work, threw 100 pitches, got 21 swings and misses, the most of any pitcher on Monday. Ten swings and misses with his changeup, seven with his slider. Obviously, the Cubs aren't the toughest matchup in the world, but you know, really, really good stuff here. Um, and he just continues to look, I think, quite good, especially if he isn't walking people, which was mm. the case on Monday. Only two walks and six innings. That's been the issue for him so far, 13.5% walk rate entering this start. If he can get that down to nine percent, which is still higher than average, uh, with the way Ashby has limited hard contact throughout his, you know, relatively brief major league career, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about him.
0: I don't want to oversell the upside, so maybe keep me in check here, Scott, but. This is what it looks like when everything is working for Ashby, right? He's got those two secondary pitches, ten swinging strikes on the changeup, seven on the slider, and then a 96.7 mile per hour sinker on average, mm-hmm. which obviously helps him get a bunch of ground balls. So as long as he can limit those walks, I think that the upside is like sky high oh. for Ashby. No,
2: it's it's so, huge. I mean, he yeah. he he gets the ground balls sort of like Fromber Valdez, and and yet he has. This incredible bat missing arsenal. I mean, normally it's not even the changeup. He got he got most of his whiffs came on the changeup in this one. It had double its usual whiff rate. Usually the sliders is bread and butter. So if he gets something going with that third pitch, yeah. I mean, you're you're. I, I tried uh, I tried making a couple trade offers, acquiring Ashby in a couple leagues this week, and looks like. Looks like the opportunity, the window to do that is probably closed, because I don't <laughs> think... I don't think he's going to look back. I think he's going to be a big success.
0: And he has Sparp eligibility, so if you're playing a points league, you can throw him in your relief pitcher spot. Aaron Ashby was the most added starting pitcher. Yes, the most added pitcher in general this week. He's
1: not eligible as starting pitcher yet.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah, so he... I wonder, is this his fifth start? That sounds about right. Uh-huh. Yeah, it
1: is
2: his fifth start. Yeah, so, star. so he is eligible. So
1: he'll have it now. When you're that, listening to this, right. I can't add him to the starting pitcher rankings yet. Correct. <laughs>
0: yeah, but 73% rostered. That number basically needs to be 100 universally rostered for Ashby, I would imagine. Yeah, I would yep. say so. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. You know, what, I, what actually made me say, oh, my goodness gracious on Monday was Jesus Sanchez, who hit a 496-foot home run in Coors Field. And, I mean, I can't remember seeing a ball land up there. It was like the upper, upper deck where there's a Coors Coors Light bar up there. And hearing the announcers talk about it, it's like balls don't go up there.
1: The 500-foot home runs, like the 500-ish foot home runs, they usually don't look as impressive as you think they would because most of the time they're hit to center, I feel like. And so you'll see it like clear the first section in left center or something. And you're like, Oh yeah, that was crushed. But you know, it doesn't quite have the same visceral impact as the one Sanchez hit today. What? Cause he, cause he hit it down the line.
0: So instead of actually talking about Sanchez, because I don't think you need to add him or anything, let's talk about the pitcher that he hit that home run off of Ryan Feltner, who went seven innings. He gave up one run. Of course it was that home run, six strikeouts here against the Miami Marlins. And, uh, it, Kind of has like some prospect status with the Colorado Rockies. Not that they have a great farm system or anything, but six-plus strikeouts in all three of his starts so far, and his velocity is way up this year. His fastball velo of two miles per hour compared to where it was last year. He's had a very solid minor league career. Ryan Feltner, 3.68 ERA, 129 whip, 330 strikeouts, over 300 innings pitched. Gets a good amount of ground balls so far. Only 1% rostered, so this is like a deep league play or just someone to throw on the scout team for now. But, Scott, any interest in Ryan Feltner? I know he pitches for the Rockies.
2: Well, I will uh, argue that he gets... He entered this start with only a 36% ground ball rate, so I would dispute the... He,
0: he does put the ball in the air a lot. After to after anyway. today, I think it went up to 52%. Yeah, he had the a 70 Seventy-four percent ground ball rate in this start, so oh, yeah, that made I don't it. Even know how to look that up? It made it jump quite a bit. <laughs> uh, okay, all right,
2: so yeah, the the third start Turn those numbers around. I guess the, th- you know, he's a Colorado pitcher, so obviously, he's probably not going to matter. But his best pitch appears to be the fastball itself, which might help him succeed at Colorado since he doesn't rely on. You know, a, a breaking ball or some other off-speed pitch that is is going to get um, is going to get ruined by the by the thin air and and it not moving the way it would at some other places. So, you know, maybe there's a chance he's useful. I'm I'm going to bet against it. But this was a nice start for his third time facing a big league lineup.
0: Yeah, I mean it was against the Marlins too, so I guess you take it with a grain of salt, but in Coors Field He survived at least uh, One more start there, so we'll, we'll see what he does moving forward Chris in deeper leagues Would you rather take a shot on Ryan Feltner or Glenn Otto who turned in another quality start on Monday? He's allowed two runs or fewer in six of seven starts and he is 12% rostered.
1: I would go with Otto uh, He's a a little more proven a little has a little more pedigree um, but I can't say I'm super excited about him in a, in a mixed league context either.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are deeply probably 15 team Roto or, you know, 14 yeah. team leagues, anything deeper than that for now, uh, obviously AL and NL only, but you know, in your 12 team leagues, throw them on the scout team and, and let's see where it goes. Obviously Aaron Ashby is like far away. Um, the most prized p- possession at pitcher yes. right now. This,
2: this was, this was technically Feltner's fifth career start. He had two last year as well, though they were short and ugly. But this was his third start this year.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's uh, keep it rolling here with some prospects. And Michael Harris, promoted by the Braves on Saturday, which caught me off guard. I was on the bus to Boston. I texted Scott. I'm like, what's going on? Michael Harris was not expecting this to happen. This is like a legit top 60, top 75-ish prospect across baseball only 21 years old, called straight up from double A, where he was hitting 305 with five homers, eleven steals, and eight seventy-eight OPS. He's now 41% rostered. And I, I kind of averaged out all of my leagues from last night where we play with uh Fab. And mm-hmm. he went for about seven percent of my fab budget. And that's across like some 12 teamers, some 15 teamers. So Scott, talk to me about Michael Harris. You know, were you in on the bidding for him? What you're expecting here with the Atlanta Braves.
2: So yeah, it was a surprise. And Going, coming straight from double a he's only 21 years old i thought we might see him at some point next year i didn't rule out him being called up this year but uh figured he'd make a stop at triple a first if that happened so i was surprised to bite too and my feeling is he's probably not ready this seems like kind of a desperation move for a team that struggled to fill its outfield most of the season. They. Caught lightning in a bottle with Travis Demerit there for a while, but that that ran out, and so now they're trying Michael Harris. I think he's one for nine so far. His hit tool is his best tool, and so that might that might save him. Uh, he, he, he can steal some bases. Power is a work in progress. A lot of scouts think he's developing power, and he has done a better job elevating the ball at AA this year than last year, but it still hasn't led to like a big home run total. So that's, that's where I think, particularly in this environment where Power's hard to come by, you know, in, in past years I would have said off, if Power's the only thing missing, he could figure that out at the majors, but I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. So I was in on the bidding on Harris in five outfielder leagues, just in case he, he does put it all together and stick around. And, you know, usually five outfielder leagues, you, you want stolen bases, and hopefully he'll provide some of those. But in three outfielder leagues, I'm taking more of a wait-and-see approach.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the thing. Is like the best case scenario probably sees him be a pretty good average, pretty good stolen base guy. The only thing is, even if he does stick, how high is he going to bat in the the order? You know, so I, I do think there's like limited ceiling for a top prospect, but, you know, obviously he's talented enough that he's worth a look. But like Scott said, I think you probably at this point I think at this point, you probably bet against any prospect hitting the ground running, let alone a guy who has 190 plate appearances above high A. So, you know, it it seems like a long shot, but obviously
0: talented. The other, I guess, top-ish prospect that got called up this weekend, Ethan Small called up by the Brewers to start the doubleheader on Monday, sent down right after this start. So I'm not sure if we'll even see him again, but they are dealing with a lot of injuries. He gave up two runs over two and two-thirds. He had four walks to four strikeouts, 18% rostered. Uh, Chris, are you looking at Ethan Small, or do you think this was just kind of a one-off start on Monday?
1: Well, if I think when they initially announced he was getting called up on Sunday, it seemed like a one-off, and then... Uh, in addition to Freddie Peralta being added to the IL last week, as w- which we talked about, Brandon Woodruff was placed on the IL with a, with an ankle injury. Did you mention that? No, not yet. Yeah, so they're hoping that's a minimum stay, and so we may not see uh, Ethan Small again. He was called up for the doubleheader, but you know, right now they've got two holes in their rotation, and you know, if Woodruff come back in the minimum amount of time, then they probably won't need Ethan Small. But it's pitching. And so you, the, the best case scenario often doesn't happen. I think you should generally bet against the best case scenario. And so the fact that he's gotten called up now means that he's always gonna be an injury away. It's just a question of how good is he? And the first yeah. start was
2: eh. A lot of walks, that, that's yeah. been the problem. But he's had a sub two ERA in the minors the last two years, like both one in the 180 range both times and, and gotten strikeouts, but the walk rate both of those years has been basically five per nine. Mm. So, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of a little like Ryan Pepio, where the stuff looks good, but is he going to throw enough strikes? Uh, and, and even I then, kind of like, you
1: know, yeah, he averaged 91 with this fastball. He did keep it in the zone or up in the zone pretty well, um, which yeah. can help you get swings and misses, but yeah, it, it, It seems like a scenario where I'm not sure if the the stuff is going to translate to the major league level.
0: All right. That is Ethan Small again. Someone I think you should be excited about in keeper and dynasty leagues, but not sure what he will uh, produce this season for the Milwaukee Brewers. A couple other prospect promotions, some lower end ones this weekend. Nelson Velasquez called up by the Cubs. He actually won the Arizona Fall League Hitter of the Year Last fall, back in you know November, uh, October, November, and so far this year in the minors, he was hitting 253, 12 homers, nine steals. He's got some power, some speed, but lots of strikeouts. Big issue for mm-hmm. Nelson Velasquez. A couple other names. Gran Ashcraft, he is a starting pitcher with the Cincinnati Reds, made his debut on Friday. He went six and a third shutout against the Giants. He has a cutter that averaged 97.6 miles per hour and hit a max of 101. That's interesting. I don't care who you are, and especially as a starting pitcher. So the name there, Graham Ashcraft. And then uh, Josh Smith called up by the Rangers. He came over in the Joey Gallo trade. He uh, was batting 273, four homers, eight steals at AAA. Scott, do you have anything on Josh Smith, Ashcraft, and Nelson Velasquez?
2: Well, I don't think Nelson Velasquez is going to carve out a significant role. I'm not even confident he's going to be around for long. Epitome of an all-or-nothing hitter. And so, that's probably the one I'm. I'm I, I think will be the least useful. Josh Smith might step in as the regular third baseman for the Rangers. So that's that's the one I'm most interested in. He uh, has shown pretty good on base skills in the minors. Stolen a decent number of bases. The power has been kind of spotty. So, you know, I, I don't see him being an impact player in fantasy is my initial reaction to Josh Smith. But the, the opportunity seems clearest for him. And so, you know, obviously third base is a position of need. I don't, I don't think he's eligible in there yet because he was he's mostly been a shortstop in the minors. But, you know, it won't take him long to pick it up if that is the Rangers' plan for him. And yeah, he went, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, he, he went three for four in his Major League debut. So good way to get the ball rolling.
0: And unfortunately, the bad prospect news from the weekend, Royce Lewis was recalled on Sunday. We're all excited. And then he suffers a knee injury, which landed him on the IL. As a result, Jose Miranda was recalled. He went two for four with a home run on Monday. A name to watch in the deepest Dynasty Leagues, Nick Plummer. the Mets a former first round pick has homered in each of his first two games with the teams and the Mets broadcast mentioned how he changed up his hitting mechanics the past couple years and he did have a strong 2021 in the minors 280 batting average 15 homers 13 seals and 894 OPS just a name to watch in deeper dynasty leagues nick plumber
2: i have a couple takes on the twins situation there if i may sure so you mentioned Miranda came back and, and homered in his first game, actually had two hits on Monday. That makes him now eight for 18 with two home runs in his past, however many games. Two, eight for 18 with two with a home run and three doubles, actually. So he's he's showing signs of coming around. He was even before he got sent down. I was kind of surprised he was the one who got sent down when they called up Lewis. The other take is that you should pick up Lewis anyway. Like, there was a case to stash him even when he was sent to the minors. Him being put on the IL makes him easier to stash, provided mm-hmm. your league offers IL spots. And it, it, it makes it so there's, there's probably somebody less value you can drop, whoever that last IL stash of yours is. is probably less interesting than Royce Lewis. So that's the silver lining to him getting hurt right away. It's a bruised knee. Uh, I'm sorry, a bone bruise in his knee is the injury he suffered, which probably won't be a long-term absence, though sometimes bone bruises can be. It was to a surgically repaired knee, but obviously a different category of injury entirely.
0: All right, let's move into the most added and dropped players from the weekend, and we'll start with the most added hitters. William Contreras, up to 71% roster. Jock Peterson, 76%. Michael Harris, 41%. Luis Arise is 80% rostered. Now he's got a 10-game hitting streak, multiple hits in eight of his last 12 games. He's batting three sixty overall. Doesn't really do much else, but... And that batting average is awesome. Cole Calhoun, 57% rostered, and a pair of Cubs. Obviously, they've got all those games this week. Frank Schwindel is up to 65%. And Christopher Morel, 24% rostered. He has a stolen base in uh, four days in a row. Uh, Chris, were you looking at any of these ads? Obviously, we already talked about Michael Harris this weekend, but Contreras, Peterson, uh, Harris, Arise, Cole Calhoun, and some of the Cubs players.
1: Yeah, like we talked about with Contreras, the fact that one he plays at Coors Field this week, the fact that the Braves are doing what they can to get him in the lineup, I think that makes him worth adding in any two catcher league. Arias the the thing that's tough is like did he have any RBI today cuz he only had 3 in the previous the first 9 games of that hitting streak. And so that kind of sums up the the problem is it's just the emptiest form of batting average. And that's not to say that it can't be useful. He's got 11 runs there. He's got a, you know, that's, that's all. Yeah. Uh, he's got 18, no, 20, 22 singles, 20, 20 singles in his last 10 games. That's basically all he's going to do.
2: And he doesn't, he doesn't start against many left-handers either. And so there's so, a
1: playing time issue. Like he hit 294 last season. And Luis Arias was not on many rosters. So, like, does he have to hit 320 to be fantasy relevant outside of, you know, 15-team roto leagues? Maybe. But, you know, there's. that's not to say there's no value there. It's just a very, very limited form of value.
0: I agree. I, need- I mean, I think part of his appeal is, is the position eligibility, first, second, yeah. third outfields, and... If you play in a points league, you know not that he blows you away, but his strikeout rate is eight point six percent. So, obviously, that's enticing.
2: I need to pour a little cold water on the William Contreras situation. Not that I want to, but Michael Harris yep. does kind of ruin the the idea of of William Contreras playing quite every day because the Braves are so. So you got Acuna and Ozuna wrote alternating between the outfield and DH. You got Harris in Center. You got Duvall, who's still being treated like an everyday player in the other outfield spot. And so Contreras is kind of back to being an occasional catcher, occasional DH, which, you know, he may be productive enough at, 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 for a catcher that that's enough for him to be rostered still. But it's, it does uh, it does kind of lower his stock again, the arrival of Harris. I also want to highlight Christopher Morel here because that was a guy I was placing some bids for on in, in those five outfielder leagues basically as a fallback if I didn't get Michael Harris. He's been pretty impressive here so far in the majors. Um he had plate discipline issues in the minors especially struck out a lot. And that had like that hasn't been an issue so far in the majors and, and he's been walking a ton for some reason. It's it's been enough that the Cubs have made him their leadoff hitter over the past week or so. And Like in in terms of athleticism, how hard he impacts the ball, uh, I think he's already up to four stolen bases. So he's he's been running with reckless abandon. and, And like that's, that's well established. He's an athletic guy who can do all the physical things you want a baseball player to do. It's just how in control is he? And so far, he's been very in control beyond what anybody imagined he'd be. So I'm skeptical of that part. But while he's doing it, it's easy to see a lot of upside there.
0: All right, that again is Christopher Morel. He's twenty four percent rostered. So in those deeper five outfielder leagues, he is a name you could look at. Some of the most dropped hitters this weekend: Stephen Kwan, Sheldon Noisy, Andres Jimenez, Owen Miller, Elias Diaz, and Fran Mireas. Scott, is there anyone on this list that kind of jumps out? Like, uh, maybe you shouldn't have dropped that guy.
2: Not really. Uh, Fran Reyes is the most valuable. He remains the most rostered. And he was off to a terrible start and is hurt right now. So I can understand him being dropped. Uh, I, I think 72% roster rate, what it currently is, is, is acceptable. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really blame any of the – dis- I, don't, I don't really fault anyone for making any of these decisions.
1: Oh, Quan, Quan might even be over
0: rostered at 47%. I dropped him in a 15-team-5 outfielder league this weekend for, I want to say, Chad Pinder. Yeah, the quality (laughs) of contact is just,
1: it's been like worst in the league or pretty close. So, you know, not striking out is cool, but getting hits is even cooler. Yeah, He's not really doing that.
0: We'll always have the first week of the season, guys. When we have those
1: first play. five days.
0: <laughs> it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. The most added pitchers from the weekend. Aaron Ashby, which we mentioned, and should continue to rise. Again, only 30, uh, 73% rostered, rather. Jake Junis, two-star pitcher. David Peterson, two-star pitcher, but, I mean, <laughs> what are we doing, man? 44% roster? Uh, I don't know. Not, not for me. Maybe you know, fortune favors the brave out there. David Peterson, I guess that's what you're going with. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, thirty seven percent, another strong start on Friday against the Yankees. Yeah. Six that's innings, two guy. runs, six strikeouts, a zero walks, a one six two ERA. Chris, talk to me about Springs versus Spencer Strider, who is fifth on this list and gets a chance to start for the uh, Atlanta Braves. He's been lights out out of the bullpen, and he's got an amazing mustache. So I feel like you can relate. <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, he's also got gigantic quads. I saw somebody point out on Twitter today, which I can also relate to. Um, (laughs) He's got great stuff. I mean, he had 10 whiffs with his fastball on 49 pitches today. Uh, 49 fastballs, 72 pitches overall. The question is whether the arsenal is deep enough to go through the order three times and whether he can sustain throwing 98 miles an hour when he has to throw 90 to 100 pitches as opposed to 60 to 70. But yeah, there's clearly quite a bit to like there as far as the, the stuff goes. I I don't know. I might prefer Springs, um, but I, I, I'm i not 100% sure how I feel about this. This was a very impressive start on Friday. Obviously, like we mentioned in Friday's episode during the streamer, not to stream or whatever. Is that what we call it? Yes. To yeah. stream or not to stream. Um, it's a not great version of the Yankees lineup. They're missing a couple of their best hitters. But I mean his changeup has been exceptionally good so far this season. 39 swing 39% whiff rate, 2.02 expected woba allowed. That's been a really really impressive pitch for him and so mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel a little bit better about him than Strider, but I think both are worth yeah. rostering in your 12 team points leagues even.
2: Both are both I are mean, sparkable but They're they're, they're they're rostered in less than fifty percent of leagues. That That's should not too, be too too low. Yeah, the case. They like I was I was prioritizing Strider over Harris this this weekend. Uh, Strider was the one I was putting in the biggest bids for with the news of him moving to the rotation. And though the final line here on Monday wasn't good, he gave up five earned runs. There were there were two non errors. That that were basically to blame for all the runs.
0: Uh, Mar- Marcel Ozuna, Scott, he is just a butcher out there.
2: Yeah, he made a sliding attempt when he didn't need to at a fly ball. And, uh, and so that got by him and caused a lot of damage. And, uh, on a double play that would have ended the inning, I believe, if I have the story right, Matt Olson dropped the throw to first base. You can't assume a double play, so it wasn't an error. And, uh, and yeah, that allowed, uh, I, I think those were inherited runners that ended up scoring off off uh, off Strider, against Strider. But here's the thing. Chris was mentioning the arsenal. Is it diverse enough? He Out of the bullpen, he was throwing his fastball 75% of the time and basically just fastball slider. The slider is also a really good pitch. But basically those two. Well, in this first start at Arizona, Spencer Strider threw his changeup actually more than the like the changeup that he basically never threw out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. He threw it even more than the slider 22% of the time and it had a 50% whiff rate in this start. So like it seems like there's something there.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh so I was I was pretty impressed much more than the final line would have you believe. His next start unfortunately is at Coors Field. Mm. So so that's not that's tough obviously. But hopefully he can uh, he can end up with better results there because I I think the upside is, is very impressive for Strider. I do give him an edge over Springs, I think, Jeffrey Springs. But I really like both of them. I mean, Springs, if he qualified, he'd have a top 10 swinging strike rate in baseball, mostly because of that changeup. And it's clear now that the Rays are treating him like an actual starter. Yeah. He went six innings in this most recent start, five and two-thirds the time before that. So Springs also deserves to be picked up anywhere he's available
0: all right and again widely available is Jeffrey Springs only 37% rostered over on CBS the most dropped pitchers this weekend Zach Granke which makes sense he just landed on the IL and has not been good Chad cool Zach Logue James Caprillian, and Brad Keller before we hit the break if you listen to us on Spotify please help us out give us a five star rating there they introduced it you know the past six months year or so and it helps other people find the podcast on Spotify so again if you listen there Give us a five-star rating. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back right after this.
2: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per
0: year. His wrist will be scanned again when the Padres return home next Monday, at which point he could be cleared to hit. So some uh kind Fingers of crossed. kind of uh positive news here on Fernando Tatis. Yeah, at
1: this point I'm still not, I'm not expecting him before July at this point though.
0: And you know what? Look, obviously they can any team can use Tatis, but the Padres, they're off to a pretty good start, so uh you know, they kind of have that luxury. They don't have to rush him back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Tucker has missed two straight games with inflammation in his left foot. He is not dealing with any structural damage, however. Jose Altuve was removed Monday following a collision with Christian Betancourt, and Altuve is going through concussion protocol. Brandon Woodruff was placed on the IL, as we mentioned earlier, with a high ankle sprain. Tim Anderson placed on the IL after exiting Sunday's game with a right groin strain, and it's... uh, Quite unfortunate because he it didn't has look great. Been awesome. Seiya Suzuki was placed in the I. L with a sprained left ring finger. Clayton Kershaw threw a 35-pitch bullpen session on Monday, and this marks the first time he threw off a mound since landing on the I. L. Tyler O'Neill will visit a doctor Tuesday, hoping to be cleared for a rehab assignment. He's on the I. L with a right shoulder impingement. Carlos Correa tested positive for COVID and will be out at least 10 days unless he tests negative twice within a 24-hour span. Tyler McGill is hoping to throw live batting practice on Tuesday. He's on the IL with right biceps tendinitis. Sonny Gray left Sunday's start with right pectoral soreness and may need a trip to the IL, and he's been pitching quite well too, so unfortunate for him. Steven Strasburg fired five hitless innings in a minor league rehab start at single A. It was his second rehab start coming back from thoracic outlet surgery, which is a very tough injury to come back for. I'm rooting for Strasburg. I, I hope he can make it happen. Lance Lynn fired three scoreless innings Sunday in his first minor league rehab start at A. Tigers prospect Riley Green had his rehab shifted to A on Monday. And I'm thinking we could see him within a couple of weeks assuming he plays well, obviously, at AAA in the meantime. Glaber Torres has been getting treatment for a wrist issue, but it's not keeping him out of games so far, and it didn't really look like it was affecting him over the weekend. He had a sock and a shoe on Sunday, including a home run off of Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan, who was very good once again. Austin Meadows is expected to start his rehab assignment in the coming days. He's on the I.L. because of vertigo. Jonathan Villar was placed on the I.L. because of a... This one was interesting. A freak injury while working out. Apparently, an exercise band smacked him in the mouth, and he needs dental work done. That is uh, Jonathan VR. That one kind of pops a, up out of nowhere on Monday. That that that's terrifying. That really is, man. It's that that like, that reminds. There's like a
1: one of those like horror movies, like House on Haunted Hill, or one of those where like <laughs> like a piano string snaps and like hits someone in the eye. Oof. I remember that seeing that as a kid. Always freaks me out. I always I always get nervous when I'm changing my guitar strings. Got to look look away while I'm, you know, twisting the thing.
0: I so I've got this little for those watching us on YouTube. I have this like microphone arm thing, and, and it has these springs on it. And I am deathly afraid of them. I, I don't even want to look at them because I just <laughs> I always feel like something bad is about to happen. But yeah, cross your fingers it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Robbie Grossman was placed on the IL with a neck injury. Zach Grenke placed on the IL with a right flexor strain. Dallas Keuchel was placed on unconditional release waivers by the White Sox. He's been quite bad since signing with them, so I think it makes sense there. Dylan Cease and Kendall Graveman both placed on the restricted list as they head to Toronto. Both of them are unvaccinated. Joey Wendell left Monday's game due to a right hamstring discomfort. He's been on the IL twice this season already with that same issue. Some other news that came out over the weekend... Uh, Jacob DeGrom throwing at 135 feet, but not yet off of a mound. All right, progress. Max yeah, he M- said
1: he feels completely normal was the quote, but you know, obviously still a little ways away.
0: Yeah, don't <laughs> don't rush him back. Uh, another one. like You know, the Mets are off to a good start. I understand they've yeah. got injuries piling up, but just don't do it. Max Muncy mm-hmm. went to the I.L. with left elbow inflammation, and this is actually pretty scary because it's the same elbow uh, that has his partially torn UCL, which he suffered last year. And, uh, as a result, Edwin Rios has been playing a lot. He has started nine straight mm-hmm. games, including, uh, even against lefties. Yeah. Yeah. And so they brought in a lefty to face him in relief on Monday night. And he actually hit a solo home run off of that lefty. So, you know, he's yeah. they're they're trusting him. They're giving him more opportunity, Edwin Rios, and he's playing well. I, I was looking to add him, Scott, in like all of my anywhere where I had a corner infielder, even a 12 team league, corner infield, 12, 15 team leagues. I was looking to add Rios this weekend.
2: Yeah. And I feel totally great about dropping him in the 24 team Scott White Dynasty (laughs) League like a week ago. That was a good idea by me.
1: I I mean, for what it's it's, worth, he's striking out
2: a ton. That's what I was about to say. And
1: that was what he did in the minors as well. So. A, a yeah. lot
2: of home runs, but can he can he sustain a home run pace like this? And is there anything else that's going to happen?
1: Yeah, like if, at, at AAA, he scored he struck out 305 times in 243 games. He hit 50 homers, but that's a lot of strikeouts.
2: Meanwhile, the Muncie side of this is, I think, pretty concerning. Yeah. Now, I did just read before we're, uh, we went on the air here that he's he's. Like, within a man- matter of days, going to report to, a, uh, to he's going to start uh, taking part in baseball activities again. And, oh, okay, so I guess they're just kind of letting the elbow calm down, but, I, I mean, he hasn't looked right. He didn't all. look right in March, he didn't yeah. look right in April, he hasn't looked right in May. And now he's still feeling soreness in this this elbow that suffered UCL damage and never got surgically repaired. So I, I'm pretty skeptical that you know a week or two off is gonna is gonna get him back on track. I'm not saying you drop Max Muncy, but
1: it's I have very a, concerning, very very concerning.
2: I have an IL stash rankings piece up on the site. It's already outdated because that's how that piece works. But <laughs> but Muncy is. Lower in the I. L stash rankings than you might think. Not at the point where you should seriously consider dropping him, but if if you're if you're in a pinch, it's not unthinkable.
1: I dropped into twentieth at second base while he's on the I. L. So that's not to necessarily say that he's dropped that you should drop him, but my my expectations moving forward are, are severely diminished.
0: So I had Muncie at fourteen even before the injury. I'll drop yep. him a little bit further now, but you're, I, part of the reason is he hasn't looked like himself as you mentioned so yeah. uh, he was already pretty low in the rankings and, and rightfully so Anthony Rendon went to the IL with right wrist inflammation Mike Soroka is nearing a minor league rehab assignment attempting to return from a second Achilles surgery and he could return you know, post all-star break around the all-star break sometime around there uh, Scott I believe it was you who added him in one of our listener leagues and he's 20% rostered do I have that right Mike Soroka did you add him Yes.
2: Yes, I did, because I had an IL spot open up with Salvador Perez being healthy, and I figured I might as well fill it if they're talking about Soroka going on a rehab assignment. You know, when last we saw him, he was considered a fantasy mainstay. So, uh, you know, coming off two Achilles surgeries, I, I think you have to temper expectations for sure. But... Hopefully. Hopefully he's able to get his career back on track.
0: I hope so. Josh Donaldson was placed on the IL Friday with right shoulder inflammation retroactive to May 24th. He was on the COVID IL before that, and I think technically he still has to serve a one game suspension, so it's going to be a while I think before we see uh, Josh Donaldson again. Lastly, I mean, this <laughs> probably the story of the weekend, uh, Chris. You could probably explain it better than I did. I know you wrote an article about it. The MLB <laughs> suspended Tommy Pham for so three I, I games. I think it was
1: just the Reds who suspended. I don't think he was suspended by MLB, was he? He,
0: he was suspended by somebody, and yeah. I, I guess he deserved it because he definitely slapped, deserved it. He slapped the crap out of Jock Peterson. If you haven't seen the video, I think it was like Jeff Passan who either retweeted it or tweeted it, and I mean. Tommy Fan basically like Will Smith slapped Jock Peterson (laughs) over a dispute in their fantasy football league. So I I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) He
1: he apparently slapped him because Jock Peterson sent a GIF making fun of the Padres. The the dispute stemmed from an issue in their fantasy league. But I believe the, the direct motivation was the GIF that jock peterson sent to their fantasy league group text um which is so stupid and tommy fam clearly should have been suspended that being said what jock peterson was doing in their fantasy league was he was using his il or ir spot for players who were not on the ir and while this is technically allowed in some leagues it's, it goes against the nature of the rule. It goes against the spirit of the rule. You should only be allowed to use your IR spot for players who are on IR. And he tried to justify it by pointing out that Tommy Pham had Jeff Wilson in his IR spot and Jeff Wilson wasn't on IR. This is ridiculous. Jog Peterson is gaslighting because <laughs> Jeff Wilson was on the pup list, which might as well be the IR. It's not the same thing. Change your league settings if they allow you to put players on IR if they're not on IR because that's ridiculous. All right, yeah, that's what I will say. I, I'm There's- not saying that what Tommy Fam did was right. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't like the way Jock Peterson plays fantasy sports, and I don't like that rule.
0: <laughs> I kind of see both sides here because, yeah, look, but, if first your of all- league allows
1: it, you should do it. But your league shouldn't allow it.
0: I was just going to say, from like a real life perspective, like if you're if you're Jock Peterson, why would you mess with Tommy Fam? It, it just doesn't. <laughs> Tommy Fam is not really the dude that I would want to mess with. A, but Tommy Fam is also kind of like that person that kind of takes things too seriously, like. You know, someone shouldn't get slapped for doing that. You know, like, yeah. even if it's a bad joke or, you know, you, you felt disrespected, <laughs> like, you probably shouldn't slap someone for that. So, I don't know. I see both sides. Anyway, let's uh, yes.
2: <laughs> I feel like we're reliving this conversation.
0: Wild so stuff. soon. Wild <laughs> stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, other waiver wire hitters. Let's talk about some of these. These were not most added from the weekend, but they are doing something of note. And I think that they are pretty interesting. Jorge Soler... Probably more of just a shallow league ad at this point. He's 73% rostered. But he had a double dong over the weekend. He's now up two eleven. And in the month of May, he looks like Jorge Soler. 253 batting average, nine homers, 939 OPS. Point cool. of order. Crushing the ball. Go ahead,
1: Chris. I would argue he's looked like Jorge Soler the whole time. And this is just what you should expect Jorge Soler to do. Yeah. so He when- will just go through weeks where he's just awful. Yep. And he will go through weeks where he's crushing the ball. And there will be no real sense of when one week is going to happen and when the other one is. And it's going to be frustrating. And you just probably have to ride it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that probably makes him better in a Roto League because you'll just kind of take whatever the season-long numbers are at the end. But in a head-to-head weekly league, it's kind of frustrating to have someone like that in your lineups. Um, Scott, would you rather have Jorge Soler or Kyle Lewis, who already has two homers in his first four games, he hit one of those off of uh, Justin Verlander over the weekend as well.
2: Well, he was scratched from the lineup Monday, and I don't think we know sure. why, right? No, I didn't see anything about it. And considering he's coming back from a long-term injury, I definitely want to find out the answer to that. I mean, either way, it's Sol- it's Solaire either way. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. either way, it's Soler, who I think is one of the twelve best power hitters in the game. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, like that's it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be frustrating at the end of the season. He's gonna have. 34 to 37 home runs, maybe 31 to 37 home runs, something like that. And, you know, 90-ish RBI and a 250-ish average. And that's just what Jorge Soler is going to do.
2: Sorry. I I do think it's interesting that in 16 plate appearances, Kyle Lewis has struck out only once. So if he is healthy and and good to go, that's something to keep an eye on. Because strikeouts have been the main thing Mm -hmm. steering me away from him in the past.
0: If you need a corner infielder, so more so for, you know, Roto League, 12 team, 15 team, Gio Urshela over the last seven games is betting 414. He's got two home runs. And Evan Longoria has five homers over his last five games. They're both less than 30% rostered. Chris, who would you rather have, Urshela or Longoria?
1: Uh, probably Urshela. I don't know. I, I think Longoria is probably a better hitter. But I, I think Longoria is probably going to be better for fantasy just because. Longoria is going to miss time and he's going to be off and on. And he's someone who's put up really impressive expected stats over the past really like four seasons. And really only once has he lived up to that. And it was last year. And so, you know, I, I'm there's something about his game that holds him back, I think.
2: In- it's just a short term play, though.
1: Yeah. That's
2: so a long go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could just ride the the hot hand, and, and right now... Right. I mean, look, they're both... Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine.
2: It, it'd have to be a pretty deep league for anybody to th- be thinking about Urshela or Longoria as a permanent solution mm-hmm. to yep. their third-base woes.
0: Uh, speaking of deeper leagues, these four names uh, stood out to me from over the weekend or Monday's action. Tyrone Taylor hit two home runs over their doubleheader. He's 13% rostered. Nico Horner, in six games, since returning from the IL. More than a deep league guy. Nico Horner That's is. what I
1: will say about Nico Horner.
0: All right. I well, think so. He's got eight hits, three steals over uh, these last six games since returning. I think he's a good ball player, too. It's just he's been like in and out of the lineup. He's dealt with these nagging injuries. Uh, Kyle Farmer is another one. He's got eight hits, three homers over his last four games. And I don't think there's anything here, but I'll just bring it up. He had a very big weekend. Victor Robles had six hits, one homer, four steals. Uh, Chris, anyone that sends out here? Tyron Taylor, Horner, Farmer, Robles.
1: Yeah, Horner, like I just said, uh, he's not striking out at all. He's um, he's hitting the ball pretty well. I mean, he's like in terms of quality of contact, he's going to be pretty middling, I think. But you know, if you're going to strike out 13 to 15 percent of the time, you can get away with being middling in terms of quality of contact. And I think he's going to be a pretty good source of batting average moving forward with some with some speed. So I uh, I actually do think Nico Horner is. I have him in a, a. I think all all of my fifteen team leagues. I think I have him in all of my fifteen team leagues, and even in one of my uh, twelve team roto leagues as a middle infield option. So yeah.
0: All right, let's take a look at some pitching performances. We'll start with Monday's action. Logan Webb starting to rack up the strikeouts here. He's got six plus in three straight starts. He worked into the ninth inning on Monday. He gave up three runs, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. Framber Valdez throws a two-hitter at the Oakland A's, gives up one run, seven strikeouts to three walks. And over his last seven starts, Framber Valdez has a 2.02 ERA. And Pablo Lopez. Gets. All of them
2: quality starts. Seven straight quality starts.
0: Yep. Uh, Sinker Velo is up. Better control during that time as well. Uh, Pablo Lopez gets back on track in Coors Field. Six shutout innings there. Three hits. Four walks. Don't love the walks. Five strikeouts. Uh, 13 swinging strikes in this game. Uh, Scott, anything on Logan Webb, Valdez, Pablo Lopez?
2: I mean, I, I think Fromber Valdez is, is, uh, is just... He's really good if you can if you can stand to have kind of a high whip from a pitcher. I I think in points leagues especially, Framber Valdez is basically an ace because he he re- leans so much on those ground balls instead of strikeouts. He's you know, that, the that keep him whip kind of
1: high. He's like the non Young version of Dallas Keuchel, right? Like the the off-peak years Dallas Keuchel. He gets. More strikeouts, more walks than Dallas Keuchel, but the the end result is going to be pretty close.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's an appropriate comparison.
1: And uh, well, and then there's Logan White, who might might also be that guy.
2: Yeah, I, I, look, it's I, I like what he did with the strikeouts today. Obviously, ten of them. He hadn't had more than seven in any start previously. But I noticed he leaned on his off-speed pitches his changeup and slider were his two most thrown. Maybe that's a formula for missing more bats. I mean, he's those pitches individually have shown good swing and miss potential at times.
1: Slider just hasn't been as good this year for, for swings and misses. That's been the the biggest thing uh, holding him back. When you look under the hood, he has a 28% swinging strike rate with that pitch so far. He had a 47% rate last season. So it, it, Kind of comes down to that, and even in this start, he only had three whiffs with the with the slider, so it hasn't been there for him. Um, the changeup was the big swing and miss pitch
0: today. Again, that is Logan Webb. Strikeout's coming around, but maybe he could even be better if he gets that slider back on track. Some pitching performances from this weekend, and it's really a loaded, loaded group, so uh, maybe a, a quick thought on each, but Sandy. Sandy Alcantara. He ties a career high with 14 strikeouts at the Braves. Eight innings of one-run ball, 14 strikeouts to zero walks, 27 swinging strikes for Sandy in this one. Uh, Jamison Tyone, eight shutout innings on Friday against Tampa Bay. His ERA is down to 2.49. I feel like we haven't talked about him at all. He's been pretty awesome. Nick Pavetta, five straight quality starts. He's got a 1.59 ERA during that stretch. Jose Barrios was crushed once again at the Angels. Really tough matchup, obviously, but... His ERA is 5.62. His expected ERA, according to StatCast, 7.12 for (laughs) Jose Barrios. And then Mackenzie Gore had arguably the best start of his young career. Seven shutout with nine strikeouts against the Pirates. Uh, Chris, obviously a loaded group here, but anything you'd like to add to uh, Sandy, Tyone, Pavetta, Barrios, Mackenzie Gore?
1: I don't think I buy Tyone. Strikeouts really haven't been there. He's... Got a decent strikeout minus walk rate of 16.7%, but that's mostly because he has a 2.5% walk rate, which is unsustainable. So I, I don't know if anybody's buying, but if someone was, I think Tyone would be someone to sell. Um, Gore, I'm struggling with Gore because I had sort of written him off, not like as a good pitcher in the long run, but just in terms of his chances of living up to his potential this season, he wasn't really getting... Uh, the swings and misses. So I'm struggling with how to approach him right now. Um, still probably throws his fastball a little bit too much. Not sure if the secondaries are there in terms of his confidence level in them, but I don't know. He's, uh results have been pretty great. Um, so I think he's got to be viewed as a top 50 pitcher moving forward, at least as long as he's got the rotation spot. It's just, if they ever get healthy, is the rotation spot his? That's the the question, I guess.
0: Yeah, Mackenzie Gore, you mentioned the fastball usage, Chris. In his first four outings, it was 68%. Mm -hmm. Over his last four, it's 59%. So it's not a huge difference, but he is Mm -hmm. slowly... You know, working in his breaking pitches more, his slider yeah, his and his curveball.
2: And then those last four starts, his swinging strike rate has jumped from to 13%, which is
1: high.
0: The, the thing
1: I would like to see, he's actually using his slider um, less so far in the month of May than he was in April, and the slider's been his best swing and miss pitch, so it's actually just been his best pitch in terms of quality of contact, swings and misses, so that's a trend I would like to see more of. I would like to see him throwing that slider more, but yeah, you, he's hundred percent rostered. Pretty close, right? Yeah,
0: uh, Mac- Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would imagine okay. so. Yeah. Um, Scott, I want to ask you about Jose Barrios because I know this is usually the time for you. You know, two months in, Memorial Day. All right, we could you know start to make more decisions now. And mm-hmm. his ERA, as I mentioned, is approaching six. He's got a career low swinging strike rate. His fastball is getting absolutely crushed right now. What do we do with Jose Barrios?
2: I guess he's probably in Charlie Morton territory at this point, where you you kind of don't have any choice but to just wait him out. The track record demands that. And there's been a lot of discouraging signs. I get that. But they're like in terms of the, the, the big the most discouraging sign would be if he lost velocity, right? And he hasn't. Same thing with Charlie Morton. He hasn't lost velocity. And so you you have hope that he can get back to where he was, where he has been for years. And so I, I think you just sit on him and hope he comes around at this point because obviously selling him, what are you going to get for him? Not much.
1: a. But that's also you should try to buy if you can. Yeah. There, sure. I, I could see him being dropped in, in some leagues and – you know, you might be able to get him for dirt cheap, and I, I still have faith that Jose Brios, like, he's never an ace. He goes through stretches where he has really good results, but he's not an ace. He never has been. But, you know, I, I think he's going to be a mid to low threes, maybe more like mid threes ERA guy moving forward. It, it, it reminds me of Luis Castillo last year where there just isn't an obvious, and it's the comp that I've made with Charlie Morton too, where there just isn't an obvious explanation for why he's struggling so much that I have have to have faith he'll figure it out.
0: Some hitting leftovers from the weekend. Paul Goldschmidt has five homers over his last seven games. Just a ridiculous May. 406 batting average, 10 homers, a 1287 OPS. Same thing for Mookie Betts. He is on fire. He had a sock and a shoe on Saturday, his 14th homer, his fourth steal. And then he added his 15th home run on Monday, which leads the National League. Francisco Lindor is back on track. His last 16 games, he's batting 333. Three homers, three steals, 21 RBI during that stretch. Brian Hayes, he's off the yeah. schneid. He had his first home run of the season. It was a big one, too. A... Three-run go-ahead homer off Taylor Rogers on Saturday night.
2: Austin you know Riley. let got off the schneid this weekend? Who's that? Marcus Simeon.
0: Yeah. Green yeah, Marcus Slam. Simeon had a big, big weekend. Yeah, he's coming around. Yeah. I think it was like his last six games, he's he's hitting much better. So. He had
1: two steals this weekend as well.
0: Yeah, it's a good sign for sure. We definitely need it. Um, Austin Riley, another one. I guess kind of hurt us last week when we were talking about him, what's what's going on with him. Uh, his last eight games, he's betting 375 with four homers. Dansby Swanson has now hit first or second in six straight games for the Braves, and rightfully so. In May, he's hitting 309, five homers, six steals, and eight sixty-nine OPS. Shohei Otani had a double dong on Sunday. He's up to 11 home runs. Nick Castellanos, back-to-back games with a homer. He's got eight hits over his last five games. Yordan Alvarez had a double dong on Monday. He's now up to 14 homers. And Mitch Garver entered Monday night Day to day, dealing with a knee injury, and then he had an awesome game. He went three for four, two doubles, two RBI, and even stole a base. So
1: he's been really good
0: since coming back from the IL. Uh, nine for thirty, three homers, three doubles in eight games. The call to the bullpen. Let's wrap up some bullpen updates for the Marlins. Uh, Cole Sulcer picked up his second save on Saturday, and then he got destroyed on Monday. So hopefully he
1: pitched in the he pitched in like the sixth or seventh inning on Monday, right? Yeah, it was uh the yeah he pitched in the seventh inning, gave up four and runs without recording an out. The Marlins mm. bullpen.
0: I mean, look, they've been bad, so I guess this is why they're trying to like mix and match. But reminds me a lot of Cincinnati right now, Chris. Mhm. Yeah,
2: I, they, I don't, they've only had one save in May. The whole bullpen. Yeah, I and just, it was
0: soulful.
1: well. They, they've been they've been awful. Yeah, In May as a team. So that's right. that's not terribly surprising. I mean, the, the weird thing about the Marlins is like they've actually pitched pretty well outside of the ninth inning as a bullpen. They've just been awful in the ninth <laughs> inning. So that's kind of been the bigger issue. And I don't know. I, I don't think there's anyone to speculate on for saves there. Maybe, like Sulser, I guess. I just don't know if he's that good.
0: Yeah. Look, Sandy just needs to pitch... Complete games every time, if, well, <laughs> if you want a chance at a win, basically.
1: The, the Marlins have gone from having, like, we all thought they had, like, seven va- viable starting pitchers, and so far this season they've had two, or I guess right now they have two, which helps explain why they've been so bad.
0: Yeah, makes
2: sense. Oh, 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 I, oh, I didn't want to point this out, this, uh, since we're talking about the Marlins pitching. So this was a sneaky observation for, for Trevor Rogers over the weekend. Uh, He faced the Diamondbacks on Friday, gave up three earned runs in five innings, only three strikeouts, you know, that that the line didn't really jump out. But he had 13 swinging strikes, including nine on the changeup, Mm -hmm. which he threw 52% of the time. It it was a 32% whiff rate, which was almost identical to the whiff rate on his changeup last year. And... Obviously, it didn't show up in the final line, but I, I got to think that's a big step in the right direction for Trevor Yeah,
1: That that feels like a good leading indicator.
0: And I feel like he was cruising in this start. And, yeah, it was the fifth inning where he just yeah. kind of fell apart there, gave up three runs. But before that, he he looked really strong in his first four innings. Uh, for Tampa Bay, Colin Poche picked up the save on Saturday, and then J.P. Fireison got the save on Sunday. So... Yep, Tampa Bay uh the Cardinals Giovanni Gallegos pitched in the sixth and the seventh inning up three to one at the time I believe that was on was that Monday I think it was Monday mm-hmm. uh, yep. and he allowed an inherited base runner to score Ryan Helsley then pitched in the ninth inning up six to two at the time he gave up a run himself uh Scott do you think this could be a sign of things to come for the Cardinals
2: maybe Ryan Helsley has worked the ninth inning and Five straight appearances Mm
1: -hmm.
2: now it's not just like you know some in some of those he came in in the eighth inning and then and then pitched part of the ninth as well but gallegos has been jumping around a lot more than helsley has recently so that might give us a clue as to where where uh what the cardinals management is thinking
0: For the Giants on Monday, Camilo Duvall allowed an unearned run, but picked up his eighth save. On the other side, Corey Kniebel gave up a go-ahead home run to Longoria in the ninth inning. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto picked up his ninth save. For the Brewers, uh, Josh Hader, two saves across a doubleheader. You just really don't ever see that. Yeah, that's weird. He is amazing. Uh, 18 saves, that's that's more saves than I have on a few of my deeper Roto leagues <laughs> so it's it's not great I, I, I kind of wish I had a Josh Hader right now um, for the Dodgers I just saw that Craig Kimbrell gave up two runs only one of them was earned uh, he takes the blown save and the loss there and on the other side uh, David Bednar picks up his uh, he uh, technically got the win because he gave up a couple of runs in the inning before so he pitched the final two innings and Kimbrell's they're, they're not a little rocky uh, yeah, the ERA is 4.80, so um, yeah, overall. Runs
1: in three straight appearances, five of his last seven.
0: Yep, and we've seen this before. He kind of goes through stretches where, you know, he's kind of a little bit wild, gives up some runs there, so. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to have a very long leash. Obviously, they they invested in him, um, and I think they're paying him however much, 15, 16 million, so. Craig Kimbrell for now with the Dodgers. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Tuesday. Devin Smeltzer at the Tigers, Daniel Lynch at the Guardians, Jacob Junis at the Phillies, Herman Marquez versus the Marlins, Michael Waka versus the Reds, and Ryan Yarbrough at the Rangers. Junis is the top one. Yeah. And then I would go...
1: uh, Waka and Lynch, but I don't really like either of them.
0: Agreed. Wednesday, Jose Quintana at the Dodgers. Mitch White versus the Pirates. Jeffrey Springs at the Rangers. Bailey Ober at the Tigers, and Brad Keller at the Guardians. We talked about
1: Springs earlier. He doesn't belong on a streaming list, but as long as he's there, definitely pick him up. Stream to start. Easy. And one. Then Ober's fine. I'm, I I think Scott likes Ober more than I do, so he might give a more full throated uh, endorsement, but mine mine is pretty tepid.
2: Between the two lists, Ober is my second choice, but it's it's a distant second to Springs. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we didn't get the team name Tuesday, obviously, tonight, because lots to go over from the weekend, uh, but we'll do it tomorrow. Team name Wednesday, I guess. So send those in, email at cbsi.com, and we will read them on tomorrow's podcast. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.